Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a recording of the Key Row Film Society, and I am Pastor Neil Wemus, the host of this sometimes weekly podcast where film and Christianity meets. So, I have done several episodes so far of the Film Society of Key Row, and I've realized that I have not really done a good introduction of who am I? Who is this guy that keeps recording these podcasts? Well, after listening to another one of my friends, he's trying to get his podcast going. He's working on a podcast that's called The Gospel Asylum. Uh, I was on one of his, I'm actually going to be on one of the episodes in a couple weeks. Uh, he, him and his uh, co-host did an introductory episode to, to um, introduce himself, and so I'm going to do the same. And so that's why at the very beginning of this episode, you heard a few uh, different scores from different uh, movies. Uh, the movies you heard there were, um, the very first one was Inside Out. Then you heard Batman, then Ghostbusters, you had Star Wars, uh, The Lord of the Rings, uh, X-Men First Class, How to Train Your Dragon, The Mission, Godfather, and Chinatown. So those were the ten that you heard. And the reason that you heard those ten was because those were my ten favorite um, film scores. And so, well, film themes, I should say, not scores, but theme songs. And so you heard all those, and that's kind of the way, I thought it would be kind of a neat way to introduce it. I love a good uh, film score because they really, really, truly do add to a movie. And a lot of those scores, I, I want to play longer, but I don't want to have, you know, a 20-minute intro or whatever. So, so right off the bat, I'm just going to give you, so what this is going to be is there's not going to be any reviews of any movies today. Um, although you're gonna, there's still going to be a movie theme going, but the start, I'm just going to simply give an introduction as to who am I. So with that, we have this. I want to play this. So that is that, uh, so there you go, the iconic song by The Who, Who Are You? That would be a good way to introduce this little section. So, um, give you way back, uh, I was, you can even get my age, I was born on August 27th, 1982, uh, in Fargo, North Dakota, and, uh, Fargo, North Dakota is where I was born, but lived the first several years of my life in Moorhead, Minnesota. Uh, lived mostly lived most of the life that I can remember. I lived with my dad. Uh, my parents separated when I was very when I was five years old, so it wasn't really a majority. But I can't really honestly remember those years of my life really. Uh, and so we lived for so from nineteen eighty two to nineteen ninety. Uh, we lived in Moorhead and. Uh, you know, I went to school in kindergarten in first grade at uh, Thomas Edison Elementary, which is no longer open in Moorhead. And in the summer of 1990, my dad got a job transfer. We transferred, which he made, he got a transfer to uh, Des Moines, Iowa. And 
uh, we ended up getting, uh, ended up living in Ankeny, Iowa, which is a suburb of Des Moines. And that's where I lived for uh, pretty much the majority of my life. And, you know, I went, I went to school there, went to elementary, a terrace elementary, middle school and Parkview, uh, and Northview Middle School as well, and then Ankeny High School is where I graduated from. Uh, my parents were divorced, as I mentioned, and so, which meant that I spent a lot of time going back and forth, uh, you know, visiting my mom. And so my mom lived up in Fargo while we lived in Ankeny, and so every two year, every two weeks, uh, we would make the seven and a half hour trip up to Fargo and visited my mom. And, you know, it was quite, it was wonderful that my dad was willing to do that. I mean, yes, it helped that my dad had a lot of strong connections and strong ties up in that area, and he still does. Uh, my aunt and uncle live up in that part of the country. Uh, aunt, aunts and uncles, I should say, live in that part of the country. The church that my dad grew up in is up in that part of the country. The church that I was baptized in is in that part of the country. So there's a lot of emotional ties for my dad, but it still was, um, you know, very good of my dad to um, keep keep us connected to my mom, which I know that doesn't always happen. Um, I know a lot of people get disconnected from one of their parents. And, but my dad made sure that didn't happen. Uh, during the summers, uh, while I was young, we would visit, visit with my mom, basically until extracurriculars uh, kind of got in the way. And so that come with schools and working places or whatever. Uh, we would visit my mom in the summer. And uh, we'd spend, you know, you know up to two, two to three months up there. And, and that was really good. And one of the things that my mom did, one of the things... Uh, is growing up with my parents, I had two very different parents. Uh, they had very different personalities, they had different likes, different tastes. And so, one of the things is, is that my mom used to do, was a lot of times we'd go up to visit my mom, we'd go to see movies. And it's really through my mom that I got the love of film. And... It's really what and my dad is. My dad likes is okay with movies. He'll watch them, but he's not a big movie person. And so, whereas my mom, she was all she always you know. I we would often whenever we'd go visit my mom, she'd rent a bunch of you know VHSs. Uh, we'd go to the movie theater, watch movies, uh, and things like that. And that was much of what we did. And that just fueled. A love for movies. For I know my brother and myself, especially, have a great love for movies. My sister does as well. Um, so, by the way, if you're wondering, I'm not an only child. I'm the youngest of three. Um, I have an older sister, an older brother, and but like I said, me and my brother had a great love of movies. And event later, as my brother began to get older, began to when he graduated from high school, started having his jobs his own job, he would buy a lot of VHSs, lots of videos. And so, uh, maybe too many, but nonetheless, he bought them. And so, it, they're right there in the apartment where we were living in Ankeny. And we would, you know, uh, there, there'd be these movies right there for me to, you know, watch. And so, I watched lots and lots of movies growing up. And it fueled that love. That love kept going for cinema. 
kept going for film. But it's a very basic, simple, entertainment-based love for movies. Meanwhile, my one of the biggest influences... Then Meanwhile, of course, I'm being raised my, by my dad. And... You know, the question comes, what do you, where do you get more of who you are? Do you get more of who you are from your dad or more from uh, more from your mother? And I don't know really totally from me. Uh, I know I get things from both. I think I've got a nice, really interesting blend between my father and my mother. And, but so there's things that I know definitely I inherited from my dad there are things there are little sayings I say uh my dad never really got bent out of shape over the little things uh usually if I did something wrong my dad got mad at me it was usually a pretty good reason because my dad just didn't do that and I'm a person that also tends to be kind of more easygoing uh picks my battles picks things to get angry about uh, but the other thing that really influenced me is the fact that my dad made sure to it. And this was, you know, because I spent most of my time with my dad. So one of the things my dad made absolutely certain was that we were connected into the church. I remember when we moved to Ankeny, I remember for several weeks, we were searching around the area trying to find a good local church and we ended up at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Ankeny, Iowa and that's where I was a member for a long time and we went to church every single Sunday. We went to church, we went to Sunday school, uh, we went through confirmation, we went to midweek. There was never an excuse to miss church. Even our, I still remember when I was in high school and it was uh, after prom night and and actually, this was the case for both years. <coughs> Excuse me. After prom usually goes until, you know, 2 or 3 in the morning. And, you know, usually you're, you don't get to sleep until maybe 4 or 5. And, and so you get to sleep at that time. And the services are at 8, or 8 o'clock or 10.30. And so you had to get up within a couple hours. And you'd go to Bible class or... Uh, Sunday school and youth youth Bible high school Bible class or whatever, and my dad did not accept. Well, you were we were up really late. We could I can't go to school. I can't go to church. My dad didn't accept it. We went. Uh, he let he let me take a nap after I got home, but he was very stern on the fact that you were going to church. I remember when we go on vacations when we went to Duluth to visit some of my relatives, uh, or when we'd go up to. Uh, when we went to Orlando, Florida on, for a, a trip, we would, my dad would make sure to find a church in the area and we'd go and attend that church. That was a major part of my growing up. The church was of the utmost importance. You went there. Now, and so that was much of my bringing, upbringing uh, in terms of this little contrast where my faith comes from and where my love for, for cinema comes, my love for movies. Uh, and so I went through high school. I wasn't a great student. I was actually very below average student. And the reason was I never really got motivated, to be honest. Uh, I didn't work extremely hard in my schooling. Uh, I kind of, you know, I, it's one of those things I regret. I wish I had worked better and I had done better at my classes. Uh, I wasn't in 
I wasn't in football. I wasn't in basketball. I wasn't in wrestling. I wasn't in any, any extracurriculars. My extracurricular was I worked at Golden Corral for pretty much most of my high school life. And, you know, I was a dishwasher. And for a short time, I was, I worked as a cook. But primarily, I was a dishwasher. And that was what I did for much of, that was what I did during high school. I worked. And it was great. It was actually good working at Gold Corral. What I lo- I stuck with that place. I worked with there for quite some time uh, because I loved working with the people that I did. And towards uh, in my senior year, the end of my, uh, what was it, my senior year, I think? Yeah, the end of my senior year, uh, my the, the Golden Corral, the restaurant that I worked at, uh, burned to the ground, uh, caught on fire. And all of a sudden, I found myself without a job. And so again, I turned to my love of movies. I went to uh, the Springwood Nine Theaters in Ankeny, Iowa, and it is there that I worked. There I applied for a job, and I uh, got the job, and I worked there for a really long time. Uh, I, worked, I got hired on to there uh, a few weeks before my graduation from high school. I graduated in 2001. Uh, when I graduated out of high school, my intent was to become a film director, to, uh, to make movies or, or... No, actually, take that. The first thing I wanted to do was to be a sports journalist, to write about football. So I love sports. I still do. And I have incorporate that into what I do to some degree still to this day. But that was my goal. I wanted to go to be a, a sports journalist. And when I got into, I went to Des Moines Area Community College in Ankeny. And I just didn't have any drive. Again, my bad student thing in high school and junior high and all that, it carried right on into community college. And I just didn't put in the effort. There were... The one, the only class that I really did good at was the class of, um, what was the class? It was, it was a composition class that I took. Composition one. That was the only class I think I really did good in. And it actually had to do with, I don't know why, but the way the class was set up and the kids I took class with, I really enjoyed working with and getting to know. But generally, I was not a big, I didn't do well there. And part of it is because I had no drive. I had no excitement in what I was doing. I still worked at the movie theater at this time. And, and I was in and out of DMAC, uh, dropping in and out of classes until, uh, towards the end of my, in the spring of the second year at DMAC, I was at I was I went to this thing that's called um oh, was it? it was called uh impact. And I gotta give a little background. Before this, there was this girl that was that started working at the movie theater, and she was somebody I had a I had crush on. I won't name names, just in case. Uh and there's a lot of girls that could be, so I guess anybody that worked there is gonna be like, who was this? Well, I asked this girl out. I don't know if she knew I was really asking her out or not in retrospect, but it's not that really significant. But she turned me down. 
And I felt a bit heartbroken by the fact. And the next morning, I was just kind of walking around the one of the trail bike trails in Ankeny, just kind of going through my thoughts. And, and this was actually at this time, by the way, I was uh, planning to be a filmmaker at this time. And so I was actually doing really big on working out. And actually the reason I was working out was because I was going to create a kind of a more of a crime boss movie that I was looking to film. And because I was like I said, here again, my love of movies, I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I had a script that I wrote up. I had bought a, dig I had bought a camera, not digital because there weren't many digital cameras yet at this point. But I, was, I got this camera and I was going to make this movie and I was going to direct it. And I was, you know, getting into shape for the role that I was going to play. I had a bunch of my friends that I told them that they were willing to be in the movie. But like I said, this roadblock happened, emotional roadblock. And so that night I went to a thing called Impact. Uh, Impact is a, was a college ministry to DMACC that I had heard about. And I went there and I met several people and... And the reason I went, by the way, was because I was, like I said, I was emotionally just felt myself in a hole and I realized it. And, you know, the relationship thing was not the biggest issue. I mean, there was a lot of reasons I was in an emotional hole. Uh, I wanted to be a filmmaker, but really wasn't going anywhere. And I felt lost and uncertain about my future and about my life. And so... Like I said, I went to Impact that night for that reason. And because I needed, I needed something. I needed something then and there. Uh, my home church wasn't having services until that night, so I, but I knew Impact was. And so I went there. Like I said, I, I met some people. I met um, the pastor there and a couple other people. And it was through that they asked... We got into this discussion about infant baptism. Because they asked me, how, when were you saved? Was the question. And I said I was saved when I was baptized. This is, you know, one of the Lutheran answers we give. And in retrospect, they probably could have given the, if I had known better, a good answer, maybe to curtail the debate, would have been to say, I was saved 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. Because, well, <laughs> they're not going to argue with that. And that, that's a good way to say uh, that I don't want to debate this at this moment. But at the time, I wasn't ready, and I was, I knew some stuff from confirmation, but not enough. And he really challenged and kind of rattled my Lutheran understandings. And he gave me this little pocket New Testament. And he told me, told me, I want you to read, go through these certain verses are highlighted on, in this Bible and go, you know, it's going to have as little page numbers above. So you read a verse, go to this page, read a verse, go to this page and this verse, et cetera, et cetera. And so I did that. And it didn't really change my understanding of baptism. And I ended up, during that week, I ended up reading the entire New Testament in one week. So from Tuesday to Tuesday, I read the entire New Testament. I went to my home church at on Wednesday because it was during Lent. And uh, then I went again the weekend after, and but that following Sunday, 
And then I continued to go to uh, Impact throughout that year. And actually went to Impact for quite some time. I went to the uh, Impact, I went to this uh, college gathering that was known as uh, One Day. It was down in Texas. And so here's the thing is this was, it was through Impact, it was like, it was, a, it was the epiphany moment. It was like all of a sudden I got woken up to something. I realized, I began to see how awesome our God is. How amazing the faith that we have really is. And I began, and I saw it in a way that I had never seen in my life up until this point. And so I began to, and so like I said, it continued with impact. And I began to look at my home church and at that time, I was there's some ignorance in what I was thinking, but there's but there might have been some truth to it. But I looked at what I was seeing, and I didn't see emotion. I didn't see a fire. And in retrospect, even still, I say, why isn't there? I had a fire in me, but there what I didn't see it in the church around me. And my first instinct was that there is something wrong with what we're doing in worship. What we were doing in the worship service, and that was my instinct. But either way, what I wanted, and the biggest thing was, was because one of the things was, is up until this had happened, I was, my dad, after I graduated from high school, basically left church up to my decision, whether I wanted to go or not. It was up to me. My dad had planted that foundation all the way through my senior year in high school. But when I graduated, it was up to me. I mean, every now and then my dad would really urge me to go, and I would. But my church attendance really dwindled in my, after high school. And I kind of explored some other church denominations, and my dad was open to that. I explored um, some of the other congregations in the area. But my faith was just weakened. It was very weak. Uh, honestly, even in high school, my dad keeping me going, but probably... The biggest thing that kept me going was really because I had a crush on somebody in my youth, my youth group. If it weren't for that, I don't know how much energy I would have had through high school. But like I said, that somehow God used that to keep me going. And but like I said, and and college in my years at DMAC, I complete I was pretty much drifting. And it took that moment with that girl dumping me. Notice how girls kind of drive things a little bit here? But it took this girl dumping me, or rejecting me, uh, to all of a sudden wake me up. And the thing that made it really hard was after I graduated from high school, uh, my home church, I was going to DMAC, and we did not, we had a youth group, and it was a youth group that was getting stronger at that time, um, after it wasn't very strong when I was in high school. I mean, there was effort. I don't want to dodge the efforts of those who tried, but it, there wasn't much to it. And it didn't really get strong until my senior year. And it got really strong um, after I graduated. And I went, to, I went for the first few months after high school, but people just kind of began to look at me. It's like, why are you still coming? And it was for that reason I, I stopped coming. And... And I'd go to the adult Bible classes at church, and I just feel like I was too, I was too young. I felt like a, 
I should have coloring books out. And I felt completely isolated from the church. And I felt left out. And I felt like there was no place in that church for me. And so, and that played a lot into my drifting. And so when I went to this campus ministry, and all of a sudden a fire was lit under me. A passion for the gospel, the passion for God's word was lit. But more than that, a passion for young adults, for youth, for college students, the people who the church, some reason or another, was neglecting, that was lit under me. And I set, my, set out the desire to become a pastor, to become a pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And my, because I did not change my beliefs about baptism or the Lord's Supper, as was attempted with my, uh, you know, with the Baptist pastor and at the people at Impact. They tried to sway me, but I did not go along because I was completely, uh, I was not convinced. And so I ended up going to, I went to Concordia University in Wisconsin for my undergraduate studies. I went to study as a, with a pre-seminary and um, theological languages minor. And that was my course of study. And I went there and <clears throat> it was a very, it was interesting because it was for the first time I was in a world surrounded by Lutherans. I had never really been surrounded by Lutherans before. Because, you know, St. Paul, my home church, we had Lutherans there, but a lot of my, youth, my fellow youth group members, uh, some of them were going to North Polk High School to the north of us. And so when I went to high school and when I went to middle school, I didn't see a lot of the other Lutherans around. I didn't know what church a lot of the other people went to. Um, I kind of had my guesses and my ideas as to where they were going, but I didn't really know. And so I didn't have that strong connection when I went to school to people that I went to church with. And so going to CUW, Concordia University, Wisconsin, Mequon, Wisconsin, uh, all of a sudden I was surrounded by people that were all Lutheran. Okay, there's some non-Lutheran, but majority were Lutheran. And I would start taking classes from a Lutheran perspective and really... Uh, deepening and enriching some of the things that I learned growing up in church. And, you know, I had some really good professors there. And, uh, and like I said, it just kind of grew. Um, got, you know, built some really good friendships that I hold to this day. Uh, they're, sadly, we're scattered across the country from one another, but developed some good friendships. When I was at CUW, had some great times. Also had some really tough times. A lot of these really difficult moments that uh, made you know days a little bit more difficult, made life a little bit more difficult. Um, I could think of the um, my let's see, it would have been my third year cal school year third school year. I was there at uh, CUW. Uh, There's a lot of drama about relationships. There's drama with a lot of struggles with some of my friends and um, myself and others. It was just emotionally traumatic. I'm not going to go into details on this, but there was a lot of things that emerged. But while I was at CUW, some of the classes that I took kind of changed some of my thoughts. 
Uh, one of the classes I took, uh, you know, first I took, um, I took Lutheran worship. Uh, actually, I take that, go back a little bit, jump back a little bit. The first class that really began to change my thinking was, was Philosophy 101 uh, with Dr. Angus Manouche. And it was the first time I'd ever taken anything philosophy. And I absolutely was intrigued by the class. I was intrigued by uh, the arguments, the discussions, some of the wonder, the great writings of these great philosophical minds in history. And it all of a sudden slowly began to open up this new world of thought that I had never explored. And I took a, also took a class called uh, Lutheran Worship, which... That and combined with the friendships, some of the friendships I developed in my uh, senior year, which included uh, one of them was Alex Lang, who's a pastor over in Oregon, and um, and Scott Baker, and also um, Kim Kim Baker now, and some other people who you know, became uh, friends with them during that year and really began to, they, they kind of instilled this love of the liturgy to me. And I began to look and study and see what was going on in traditional Lutheran worship all these years. And it began to instill a love for the liturgy that I never had before. Uh, you know, I went to, you know, I mentioned before, I went to Impact and I I, I began to get this idea that the contemporary worship that was going on in Impact was the way to reignite the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And, and what I realized is, no, what the key is to reinstill what is going on in the liturgy. The liturgy and our hymnody that we have, the historic hymnody that we have, is so beautiful, it's so rich, it's so powerful, it's so awesome that... And I didn't know it. Nobody ever taught it to me. And the problem isn't that it isn't these things. It's that nobody teaches it. And so, you know, the theory that many people think, well, nobody knows what's going on. Our theory is to throw it out. But imagine if we did that with anything else. We go to a baseball game with a new person that's never been to a game. We teach them what's going on in the game. We explain the rules. Sometimes we'll talk about the history of the game. We really get them to love it. Why don't we do the same thing with the church? And that's something I began to learn and explore while I was at um, CUW. It opened up my eyes and minds to things that I didn't think before and I didn't realize. And I became less and less and less and less a fan of contemporary worship throughout the years and especially by the end of the time at, um, at seminary because I began to see and learn and understand what we had all this time. I just didn't know it. Also along the line, those friends that I, those friendships I developed, I began to do uh, movie nights with my friends. And, you know, we'd be out, we'd, every Friday and Saturday night, we would have movies and we'd just binge watch these movies. It was always so much fun. We'd, you know, get, we'd get pizzas or chips or whatever. We'd have just a good time watching these movies. And, Again, that love of cinema kept going. And the thing that really, really implanted my love for movies and changed the way I loved movies was in my last, I think it was my last year at CUW. It might have been my last. It might, might have been uh, the semester before 
Anyways, whatever it was, uh, I took a class which was called Philosophy and Film. And then later I took Philosophy and Lord of the Rings. But Philosophy and Film specifically, I took. And in that class, I, I learned and explored, got to learn and explore ideas in cinema. And began to learn to look for ideas expressed in movies. It's kind, of one of those, it's kind of one of those weird things when we took the class. It's like, did it really show us how to do it? They just had us watch a movie and say, hey, what do you think's in there? What does this talk about memory? What does this talk about uh, death and re resurrection? What does this talk about this or that? And it trains you. It, it's like it was an exercise to train and shape your brain to begin watching movies in a new way. And so... So now, ever since I took that class, all of a sudden, I begin to watch movies in a new light. And I've been developing that and continuously working on that th theme of reading theme, the themes into movies, reading ideas into movies. And I found it to be an extremely invalu valuable and enriching practice because... You know, some people would say, why don't you just sit back and enjoy the movie for what it is? And the problem is when people say that, they're assuming that I'm all of a sudden not enjoying movies because, I, because I'm seeing these ideas. And actually, I'm enjoying them more. There are movies that I've watched all my life that all of a sudden became much better movies because they saw the themes and the ideas flowing in it. Some movies, you know, they're just so blatantly obvious with their themes. But other movies are a little bit softer, a little bit less obvious, a little bit harder to see. And sometimes, as you've been hearing through the podcast, is these movies carry through ideas and themes without meaning. And sometimes they're very Christian. And so I began to see these things going on in movies. I enjoyed movies more and more. I began to appreciate the art, the craft of it. You know, everything from the music to the acting, because I did take acting classes at both DMACC and CUW. So, <coughs> it's like, it like Pandora's box was opened up. And I began to learn and appreciate what was going on in cinema. And so, you know, I still had that desire to go into campus ministry. And so I went to, so from COW, I went to Concordia Seminary in St. Louis uh, for my Master's of Divinity. And... Uh, the first couple of years were not my great years, totally. And I don't mean that just from an academic... But not only from... For a variety of reasons. Uh, the dorm room I lived in, I was all on my own. I had my own dorm. And it's kind of been this back corner. That was the same case for two years. And I won't lie, I got to be a little lonely at times. And... At times, there were some things that just didn't go well. Some parts academically... And um, I made it, barely got on Vicarage. And I got on Vicarage. I went to, uh, to the state of Georgia. And that's where I did my Vicarage in Lake Oconee Lutheran Church in Eatonton, Georgia. I uh, met some wonderful people. Uh, there were things that challenged me in different ways, uh, not just uh, culturally, but there's some of my, my beliefs and thoughts got challenged a little bit. And, and at the end of my vicarage, I came back to St. Louis and I took, 
And I had a roommate that year. Uh, there was less room in the dorm. But I needed it because I knew I needed to have someone around. And what's more is I had... Um, I was in a dorm room, and I was in a dorm, I was in isolation, which there was more people around if you went and spent time out in the living room, uh, there were always people around, and so what ended up happening was that I ended up with a much better year, really, and that was, and the reason was my grades, and I did better academically that last year, uh, I did better in my relation, you know, I did better in a lot of ways because I had people that were always around me. And there is definitely a tie in my life that the thing, what makes me want to stay wherever I go is people. And I think there's probably a good little topic in that. I, I, I have a good movie in mind that I might use to talk about the, the importance of connecting with people. But the reality is, is connecting with people is so important to enjoying anything in life and you know my last year we began to, I began offering a movie night to all the other guys in the the dorms like hey come and join us and we're going to watch a movie and we'll have discussion and we did it every single Friday of of that year and we had some really good discussions there sometimes got heated and it was you know it was kind of fun it was kind of fun doing those discussions and and I'd hoped that by the end of my uh, college-going experience, I would have. Uh, I wanted to go to a you know I wanted to go do a campus ministry, and carry that on. And so, that didn't happen. Uh, I had to do take a cl- uh, clinical pastoral education in the summer after my uh, seminary education. So that was my last three credits was my summer at a CPE at Methodist Hospital in Des Moines, and which was an incredible, awesome experience that I'll probably, you know, I've learned to learn a lot, and it was good preparation. Uh, spent After that, I, went, I spent some time preaching, working at the movie theater a little bit. Yeah, I'm still working there. Uh, I worked <clears throat> eventually... Uh, served a few months at uh, St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Henning, Minnesota. But it was in May of 2013 that I got, I on call day, I got my call to uh, Zion Lutheran Church in Zion Lutheran Church in Horton Township, St. Peter Lutheran Church in Ocheden, and St. John Lutheran Church in May City, Iowa. And that is where I am to this day. And uh, it's been an incredible blessing being here. Uh, was not was not what I planned or chose. Um, as I mentioned, I wanted to do campus ministry. And I, I still want to do that down the road. But I, I know I've learned a lot being here. And there's a lot of experiences that I wouldn't have had. Uh, I mean, just one, one thing, <clears throat> for example, is... Uh, I never had the experience with funerals, and now I've had, um, I've had my good share, 21, since I've been here, and they're tough. You know, the first few are easy-er, because you don't really know the person. It's tough to write the sermon because you don't know them, but emotionally, it's easier. Uh, 
Uh, but in the last few years, it's started to get harder and harder. And you don't get, I don't get to do a lot of baptisms, but I have the pleasure of them. And I think because they don't happen often, I've learned to really treasure them. I just had a baptism a couple weeks ago, and what an awesome joy. The baptized that child. What a perfect image of God's grace uh, is baptism. And I've been able to uh, get to know, put in a lot of ideas and practices into ministry. There, I've learned how to stretch, you know, my schedule, how to handle being busy, manage myself physically, emotionally, things like that. Uh, there's challenges that just naturally come with serving three congregations at the same time. So I mean, there's a lot of ways that I'm learning and growing during my. Uh, time here and so that's kind of I know that's a really long kind of biographical giving you an idea as to where I came from uh, and so like I said I'm still a pastor here if you ever want to check out our churches go to www.iowaoclutherans.org you can find our church the churches that I serve uh, you can check up on them and that's you know that's kind of how I got to being here and, you know, I still love movies. I still watch them. And you look, if you're to look around in the parsonage where I live, um, I've got, I'm looking around from right where I'm at. I got a few Star Wars posters. I got the Ghostbusters poster. I got 1989 Batman poster up. Uh, so, you know, I'm very much a nerd. I'll straight up say it. Um, I love nerdy things. I like com. I read comic books. I collect comic books. Um, I love to read, I love good music, I love movies, I love a good TV show. Um, <clears throat> I'm still, I'm single, by the way, and um, I've had a few relationships here, and I've only had a couple relationships at this point in my life, but I remain single, and admittedly that's, you know, a challenge living in this, being here, um, being single in a smaller community. But on the plus side, it allows me to focus on my ministry, focus on serving the congregations that I'm at. So, and it gives me opportunities to do this. So that's who I am. Uh, I'm a theolog. I love theology. I love being a Lutheran. I love what we believe, teach, and confess. And probably some point or another, I'm going to do start introducing some catechetical um, elements into this and I maybe it might be on those weeks when all there's no good movie worth going out to see maybe that's the weeks they'll do the catechetical instruction I don't know but somehow or another I'm going to start introducing catechesis if you want to hear how my preaching uh, my sermons are included on the iTunes uh, playlist or if you go into SoundCloud you can see all my sermons they're uploaded on there um, or quite a few of them so this is who I am. So like I said, I love I love the Lutheran, the Lutheran confessions. I love what we believe, teach, and confess. And it's not just I love it, I know it's true. It is absolutely true. And there's nothing more important than the world, in the world than this. But I also love movies. I love cinema. I like I I like pop culture. I like television. I like a good TV show. And so what this podcast the, the, the Key Row Film Society, 
It's all about bringing that together. Showing. Getting us talking about issues. Talking about real things. There's something as enjoyable as cinema. And so the hope is maybe you watch a movie and you see things going on in it. And you begin to think about it. And the biggest reason why we do this, I do this is because you go to a movie. This is the common things that you go and do with people. You go to movies with people. And you go to a movie and you see something that's extremely Christological. And, it's, and you're going with somebody who you know is not very familiar with the Christian faith. And it's a door opening. It's an opportunity. Or maybe it's not even a Christian thing. Maybe it's just a major ethical issue. And it's going to open up the door for you to discuss something that is important. And the thing is, is one of the things is, you know, I talk about these movies. They have these ideas. And they're not always going to have ideas that we like. And this is, this is where I love a quote by Aristotle. I believe it's it might be Aristotle. You know, it's, one of, it's, a, it's an internet quote, so it might not really be. But the quote is, The mark of an educated mind is the ability to entertain a thought without accepting it. It's one of my favorite quotes out there. And that's how we should treat cinema. You know, I take Star Wars, for instance. The worldview that is depicted in Star Wars is definitely not a worldview that I agree to. But I still love the movie. I love the film franchise. That is what you call being able to entertain thoughts and be entertained without accepting the ideas it's given, just enjoying the story. So, but you being, a, be, enjoying the story, but still being aware of the worldview, because, and it is important to be aware, because otherwise that worldview is being filled, put into your brain without you knowing, and it, it, it does change you. But when you're aware of what's going on in there, when you see that message, you can filter you could be defensive, you could prepare yourself, you can arm yourself, equip yourself against the attacks that are going on in there. And that's, gonna, that's always going to be a problem in pop culture, especially given the fact that most of Hollywood, most filmmakers are not Christian. And for that reason, we have to be on the defense. And so that's, a, that's just another level of the reason. Uh, do I do... Now, there is a wrong way to handle pop culture in film. And church and Christianity. If you ever want to hear an examples of this, go listen to Chris Roseborough's uh, Fighting for the Faith, uh, especially during the summer. They tend to do a lot of movies based, but a lot of sermons based on movies. And they usually butcher the, butcher the gospel and they usually butcher the movie simultaneously. And it's utterly annoying on multiple levels. That is not the way to do it. Is it pos plausible to use Film references in sermons, yes. You got to be careful with it. It's kind of you got to be you got to be you got to um, tread lightly with it. You can use it. There is a way that it could be used, but ultimately you're not basing the sermon on the script on the um, the film, but you're basing it on um, you're basing it on scripture, and the film might be used to elaborate on a text. All right. There's a difference. These guys tend to use a film, use the scriptures to elaborate on a film rather than the other way around. Uh, what I'm doing here in the podcast, this is not a sermon. So yes, I am actually using scripture to elaborate on the film. I'll admit to that. But this is not a sermon. This is not a church service. 
This is just get. This is actually a little. It's kind of bringing both movies and um, and theology and philosophy into the same place into the same um, platform. And so, and I also will bring TV shows. I've not done any yet, uh, but I do plan to do some eventually. So uh, this is going to be a little bit longer podcast, as you're going to notice, because. I'm already at uh, 52 minutes on this, and so I'm going to segue, and continuing on my introduction, I'm going to segue into the rankings. So you got to know what kind of, what is my taste in movies, my taste in TV shows. Well, here's going to come my rankings of my favorite movies of all time. And so, uh, here we go. That is the, there is my number 10. So I'm doing a top 10 great favorite movies of all time. So number 10 is The Dark Knight, directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, The Batman, the second, the middle film of the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, starring Christopher Christopher Bale as Batman. Uh, Heath Ledger was the Joker in this one. the best Batman movie made so far, even though I do not think Christian Bale is the best Batman. And actually, I think the best Batman was is Ben Affleck now, uh, who was just in it, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago. But, oh, The Dark Knight is such a good movie. It is definitely one that I've got on my list for movies that I'm going to eventually do uh, in terms of review, in terms of analysis. All three of the Dark Knight films has some good stuff to talk about. Some good discussion is definitely coming. So, uh, great movie. Uh, very well directed. I like the story. Uh, it wasn't your conventional st- plot uh, direction. It kind of goes a little bit different. Uh, but like I said, I like the movie. And uh, so, yeah. So, it was the first, it was, and it was really, you know, it was the movie that really broke, truly broke the comic book industry, film industry wide open. I mean, yeah, we had Spider the Spider-Man movies, almost which in Spider-Man 2 was a was a was a, a easily forgotten but very very good superhero movie. Uh the first Spider-Man was solid. Uh the X-Men movies were okay, but the movie in Batman Begins was a pretty good movie. But the movie two movies together really broke the doors open and that was Iron Man and later that year the Dark Knight. And so uh so that's my number ten movie. Number nine
All right, that movie, you probably have no clue what it is from that from that soundtrack because it's not a very well-known soundtrack, and the movie itself isn't extremely well-known. Um, the movie is called The Way, Way Back. Uh, the old, only really notable actor in the movie is Steve Carell. Uh, I mean, it's got some other actor. There's other actors in there that people might be familiar with, but uh, Steve Carell is really the only one that most people would know. And it's, like I said, it's not a very well-known movie, but I love it. Um, it's a, it's an emotional movie. It's got some great, great characters, good acting in it. But the thing that I really like about this movie is, because, you know, I talked about earlier, about my growing up, is that I love, um, as I mentioned in my introductory part, I talked about how I like working with youth, and I've, um, you know, in college, college youth, college age is also another thing I focus on. Uh, when I went to, when I was on Vicarage, uh, one of the, my most memorable moments of that year was when I got to take our youth group to the district youth, the Florida, Georgia district youth gathering. And what really made it memorable was being was when I, I got to do a, a sectional. And the sectional was simply called Stump the Pastor. And I was not original. I was, I did not know I was going to do this. What happened was that uh, the person who was supposed to do the Stump the Pastor, I guess, got sick or something like that. And so all of a sudden, they decided to have Stump the Vicar instead. And so me and uh, another vicar got volunteered uh, to lead this section. And we had a room that was over flowing with youth and they just asked a lot of good questions and both times I had after we done the we had done the questioning I had one of the kids come up to me and tell me thank you for answering a question they had that they were struggling with and I guess in my mind I hope that I can make a difference in somebody's life. And, you know, that's why I love work with youth. That's why I love, you know, even our, you know, work with confirmation. I mean, our kids, sometimes, yeah, it's stressful. But I hope that somehow, in some way, I make a difference in those kids' lives. I hope God uses me to make that difference. And I watched the movie The Way, Way Back, and I love it. Because you have the... Um, the character Owen and he's a guy by all in account, all accounts seems like he's a loser and by the way people look at him and yet he makes a difference in this boy's life and I love it and I'll dig into that more when I, I do a review and analysis of it but it's a it's a really I really enjoy that movie for that reason so here comes uh my number seven, no, number eight favorite movie of all time. Thank you. 
All right, that is a... I, I don't want to play too much of it, but that movie is the movie Inside Out. Came out in theaters last summer. Uh, it's done by Pixar. I love Pixar films. I like animated films. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, just so you know, you're going to say, what about this movie? What about that movie? We're talking about really top ten movies. There are a lot and lots of great movies out there that I would love to put on this list, but there's only ten spots. And so Inside Out is the Pixar animated movie that makes it in. You know, I'd love to put in like How to Train Your Dragon, um, any of the three Toy Story movies, uh, Lion King, uh, you know, Wreck-It Ralph. You know, there's all kinds of great animate, you know, animated films out there. But I pick Inside Out, which came out last year, because the thing that particularly appeals to me individually is I talked about it at the beginning of the, you know, again, about my the Who Am I section. And I talked about my move from Minnesota to Ankeny. It was a tough move for me. Emotionally leaving behind my mom, leaving behind these friends that I developed, and going to this unfamiliar place. And people were not always gentle and welcoming. And so watching this movie Inside Out, it's about the emotions of this, you know, young girl who's going through the situation of moving from Minnesota. In her case, she goes to San Francisco. But nonetheless, she's got this move, and I could definitely relate to it. And um, it's definitely one of those movies that makes me cry. And I'm going to straight up say I do tear up in movies. And guys, it's okay if we do that. Um, I tend to try to hold it back if other people are in the room with me. Because I guess I got a pr little bit of pride or whatever. But, you know... It's okay to do it if you do. And so, uh, next up. So that is, uh, right there, is the movie The Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, love that movie, and I think that is my number one comic book movie of all time. Even after it's been out for two years, I still think it's the best comic book movie. Uh, great soundtrack, great story, great characters, uh, great interpretation of the comic book characters. Uh, very, very good movie. I'm, I can't wait till the next one comes out. Uh, right now, I think it's the crown jewel of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's saying a lot, considering you have like Captain America Winter Soldier, which is a great movie, you had Iron Man, you have Avengers, and from the sounds of it, Civil War is going to be really good too. And uh, Who knows, maybe Civil War will steal this crown, but at the moment, Guardians of the Galaxy is going right here. And again, this... Uh, I'm just going to straight up say this. Probably every movie on this list will at some point or another end up on this podcast. Just letting you know. Next up. 
All right, there's another movie that you probably are not familiar with the film, uh, not familiar with the soundtrack, and because like the way way at the way way back, uh, this is a it's an independent film, uh, but it's uh, the name of the movie is Midnight in Paris. It's directed by Woody, directed and written by Woody Allen, and I absolutely love this movie. Uh, great story. Uh, great characters, uh, it's got creativity, and it makes you really, really want to read and dig into the cultures of the 1920s. Uh, makes you fall in love with Paris. Just a very, very well written, very well done movie. Uh, not many people are familiar with it, and but it is a sorely, sorely underrated movie. Uh, truly, try if you've never seen it, I recommend you go check it out. Um, again, another movie. That's on my list to eventually review. Uh, next up. That movie is uh, Patch Adams, uh, starring Robin Williams. Uh, this is a movie that a lot of would seems kind of unexpected to be on this list because it really was a movie that got mixed reviews, uh, and it de definitely took a lot of liberties in regards to the real the life of the real Patch Adams. But I really did like this movie. I thought it was a. I thought it was a beautiful movie, honestly. And because, you know, I first watched this movie when I was uh, planning to become a pastor. And it gave me a, a certain level of inspiration that inspires me to be different. To be, to change the way you interact with people. And to quote a uh, Missionary Gary from Mission Central in Mapleton, Iowa, inspires you to be not normal. And I think that is one of the things that just helps you connect to people. So I love this movie. It's beautiful. Uh, makes me cry at times. The closing speech of the film is just absolutely powerful. I love it. It's got a good soundtrack. Um... Actually, I think it's a very underrated movie, to be honest. So, uh, next up.
Now that yeah, uh, that is the movie Braveheart with just a beautiful soundtrack. Those oh man, that is just beautiful, beautiful music. Uh, makes you almost want to cry just listening to it. Uh, Braveheart was you know directed and act by Mel Gibson, starring Mel Gibson. Uh, one of the really really good films of the last thirty years. Uh, one best picture. It's, it's a very forgotten one because, you know, Mel Gibson is definitely a source of controversy. Uh, and, but it's, and because of that, it's hard. It's, easy, it's become easy for people to forget what he's done. And, you know, not just the Lethal Weapon films, which are fun and exciting to watch. But Braveheart was just a great, good, good movie. And powerful soundtrack, as you just heard a little bit of right there. So, next up. So that is uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, that was my favorite movie as a child growing up. Uh, I used to, you know, I used I love that theme song. I used to always go to Skateland and Fargo when I was a young kid just so I could hear that music because they almost always would play it. Uh, when I would, I would go to the library there in Ankeny, not in Ankeny, in Moorhead, uh, Thomas Edison, they had the movie book of Ghostbusters and I used to go there all the time just to check out that book. Uh, I love that movie, yes. um, and I still do. It's still a fun movie to watch. Uh, when it had its re-release, they had a special re-release a few years ago for its uh, 30th anniversary. I went to see it. Fun movie. Uh, so there you go. And so here, here's what's, here's the next movie. That is the Imperial March from, which was introduced in the movie The Empire Strikes Back. So, I would actually, I love all three of the Star Wars movies. Well, all three, there's more than three now, there's eight of them. Um, you know, I like, I like Revenge of the Sith, I like A New Hope, uh, I love Return of the Jedi, I like the new one, Force Awakens, which I reviewed last week. Um, I am okay... With the other two prequels, I don't love them, but I'm okay with them. I don't hate them as much as others do, but I can I can tolerate them. I'll watch them. But Empire Strikes Back still is the best Star Wars movie. And amazing soundtrack. Imperial, the Imperial March was just one of many, many good 
uh, pieces in this film. Uh, especially the the fight, you know, the asteroid field scene. There's a really, really awesome composition in there. Uh, this is the movie. The movie's also extremely artistic. Very, very deep. Very strong attention to detail. And it's, you know, it's like a great painter. And it's a, it's a, it's a truly remarkable film that I think people just think, oh, it's just Star Wars. It's just, it's just action, excitement. But you cannot lose track of the fact that this is truly a beautiful movie. And the the point the moment that really really highlights it is the battle between uh, Luke and Vader at the end. Um, the the use of the colors, the lighting, just pitch perfect, wonderfully wonderfully done movie. And so um, that is and so that was if you're, you haven't been keeping track, that was my number two favorite movie of all time. And here comes my number one. Favorite, actually, let's go backwards. So, number 10, The Dark Knight. Number 9, The Way, Way Back. Number 8, Inside Out. Number 7, The Guardians of the Galaxy. Number 6, Midnight in Paris. Number 5, Patch Adams. Number 4, Braveheart. Number 3, Ghostbusters. Number 2, the Empire Strikes Back, and here comes my number one favorite movie of all time. Okay, that movie, if you couldn't catch on to it, was The Lord of the Rings. And now, I'm going to straight up say here, I am actually treating The Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and Return of the King as one movie. And now, you might be sitting there wondering, why didn't I do that with Star Wars? The reason is, is there is a difference between Star way Star Wars was put together, the Star Wars trilogy was put together, the way Lord of the Rings trilogy was put together, Okay. Uh, the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, when George Lucas made it, it did not have Episode Four in the title. It just said Star Wars. And the reason was is because George Lucas wasn't sure he was going to make another movie. So he made it as if it was the only movie that would be made, with the hope that there would be another, all right? And so... And so, the, and so, and the thing, and then you have the second movie has a different director, and the third movie has yet a third director. There's different directors in each of the three films. Lord of the Rings, on the other hand, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and Return of the Jet, <laughs> Return of the King, were all filmed together. They're filmed at the same time, you know, back to back to back. 
same directors, same writers, same actors. Nothing really changed. In terms of the production of it, it all remained the same. And that is the reason why I picked this as... I put this as one movie because it was basically filmed like it was one movie with really with basically year long um, intermissions, and so that's the reason I pick it. You know, as a single movie, and I pick it as my number one movie of all time still to this day. Uh, Empire Strikes Back doesn't quite break it yet, and um, it has at times when I made this list, but doesn't usually the reason a lot of lord of the rings um it's imaginative which yes star wars is too but it's got a beautiful set great costume design um strong special effects strong acting strong cinematography strong instrumental music uh, it has everything you were looking for in a good movie. It's got good story. It's got good it has heroism. It's got a clear villain. It's got some themes in it that are that you can chew on and think about. There's ideas in it, but it's not, but it's not overt ideas. It's some of it's a little bit more covert than others. There's a lot. There's so much going for this franchise. Is it perfect? No. Are there flaws in it? Yes. But as far as I'm concerned, it is the best. My favorite. It is my favorite film trilogy film of all time. Because, uh, like I said, it does. It just does everything really, really good. All right. So there you have it. Those are my top ten movies of all time, with Lord of the Rings as number one. And so this segues in to my other list for this day, and that is my favorite TV shows of all time, all right? So we're going to jump right into this here in a Okay, so that intro, if you are not aware of it, familiar with it, that is from the, the show The Game of Thrones. I would straight up say to you that these first two move TV shows that I'm ranking are definitely not family-friendly friendly TV shows. Uh, this one definitely, to the umpteenth degree, not family-friendly. Uh, but I've, I love the stories of the, move, the show... Uh, I like the characters. It's very engaging. Uh, I would not recommend it to too many people, uh, but I've been hooked into it. If you haven't, probably a good idea to not get hooked into it. Uh, not to mention you get the displeasure of watching characters you love die. So, uh, 
I enjoy it, and that's all I'm going to say to it. So, uh, not, and it's probably, it's, unlike my, this is probably one of those shows I would not review on this podcast. Next up. All right, that is uh, the show South Park, and um, again, not family friendly at all, especially due to its vulgarity. But the movie, the show is a show that I originally did not like or much care for, but it's one that it grew on me. Uh, watching with some of my friends back in Ankeny. And the thing that really appeals to me about it is it actually brings up topics. It brings up interesting conversations. And I'm going to straight up say that there's a possibility that this show, and I actually just mentioned Game of Thrones, I wouldn't do that. But realistically, I might bring it up. Um, I do warn you, Game of Thrones itself has some very graphic nudity in it. So that's my biggest caution on it. And it is very violent. Uh, South Park just as vulgar as a lot of cursing. But both show Game of Thrones brings some conversations to the table. And uh, bless me. Uh, Scrubs, South Park... uh, Many, many of its episodes have brung up some interesting conversations that are worth discussing. And for that reason, it's I enjoy watching it. And it's one that might be brought up and used in future podcasts. And um, again, I would not recommend it to children or anybody too young because of its strong language. But it's funny and it has some good things to talk about. And for that reason, I might use it in later podcasts. Uh, next up. All right, that show is the show of Freaks and Geeks. I'm going to give you a little warning. These next two movies, two TV shows on my list, are going to make fans, people listening to this, a little sad and weepy. Because these are two shows that ended well before they were done. And Freaks and Geeks was a phenomenal show that I really, really wish somebody would pick it up and do it again because it is such a well-written show. Great characters in it. Um, you you connect with them so easily. It's one of those shows that I... Uh, I just watched it, you know, about a year or two ago for the first time, and I sat and watched it, and as I watched it and watched it, the more and more I got depressed because of the fact that it only made it through one season. I knew that this show was getting so, so good, and I was so, so 
loving these characters in this show, but I knew that it was going to come to an end. So that's why it's a little depressing to watch it, but I love that show. And who knows, hopefully somebody somewhere along the road looks at this and says, wow, we had something really good. It takes the spirit of that show and truly makes something good and keeps it going. Finds a cast like the cast you had in here. Because the thing that one of the things that made Freaks and Geeks so appealing was that these characters were characters you felt like you knew them. You felt like these are people that they're people that you knew that you could connect to. You could connect them to. And you know, it's based around uh, kids growing up in the um, you know, the 90s, 80s and 90s and um and you know, I grew up in that era, and so I definitely could connect to it. And so wonderful show that got canceled way too early. Here's the next one. going to play all that but that's a show Firefly and by you know created by Joss Whedon starring Nathan Nathan Fillion uh, who plays Castle in the current show um, current series Castle uh, loved this great another good show by uh, Joss Whedon uh, only made it through one season because Fox royally messed it up but it was a good, good show. I loved it. it. had this kind of Old West vibe. It was kind of like... Um, it felt a little bit like... Uh, I don't know. Like the you know the, the, the movie Tombstone. And Star Trek and Star Wars all came together to make one... It had a baby. That's what it kind of felt like. I loved the show. All right? It was a very well done show. And it's a tragedy that it was lost and taken away. So, next up. Mary Allen, and I'm the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. Then an accident made me the impossible. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist, but secretly... I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am the Flash. All right, so that is the um, that show is the Flash, which is now on the air, and it's in the uh, closing on in on the end of its second season. Uh, so far, it is my favorite of the CW superhero shows, and CW has really done good. Um, I've, you know, Arrow has been a solid show, Supergirl has been solid, um, but Flash so far is the best one, um, and I really like it because of all the superhero movies, especially with DC, it is the one that's got a ray of sunlight, 
And it's bright, it's joyful, uh, it's hopeful. You don't get that in much of the um, current, many of the current superhero shows, and especially not with DC, because DC, for whatever reason, is obsessed with darkness. And so Flash kind of brings in that hopeful theme. And Supergirl does that too, but Flash started, and I, I and Flash just has better characters all around. I love a lot of the characters in that show. Uh, it's well done, and I it's got a good story. It's had some pretty good plot lines going. So uh, next up. So that is a, that's a show that is only on Netflix, and the name of the show is Daredevil. So we got another superhero movie here on this list, and Daredevil is based upon what is probably one of my top three superheroes in comic books, uh, Daredevil, and who I did not think got very good, did not was not done very well in the Ben Affleck version of it back in uh, 2004, I believe it was. Uh, but this one was a very good, was a very, has been a very solid show. Season one was phenomenal. Season two, not as good, but still very good. Uh, I love what it introduced with the Punisher, what it introduced with Elektra. I love how it's building up the Kingpin to be the great supreme villain that he is. Uh, so all around a very uh, good TV show. Uh, if you've never seen it, go... Uh, yeah, if you have not seen this show yet, check it out. And by the way, if you haven't seen... And also check out Jessica Jones if you haven't seen it. Jessica Jones is another very solid show on Netflix. Uh, and that's one that probably was really just outside of this top 10. Probably could have made the list. So, next, next up. Next up on my list is The Walking Dead. And so, this is actually another movie based out of comic books. Uh, not a superhero film per se, but... Superhero TV show, sorry. But it is definitely a comic book 
um, TV show. Uh, I'm not a huge zombie fan, but this show really and truly does a great job of engaging uh, audiences. And, you know, it's... Again, makes you, it creates characters that you love and you care about. But the thing that really makes The Walking Dead appealing is that, you know, it's got this post-apocalyptic world. And it really puts to test a lot of ethical questions that we have. Ethical issues that we have. And that's what I like about the movie. It's really intriguing because it does bring up a lot of good philosophical discussions. And so if you've, um, you know, never seen, if you don't watch The Walking Dead, I encourage you, catch up on it. Most of it's on Netflix, except for the season that just finished. Uh, if you want to keep watching till the end of the season that just finished, Go on to uh, Amazon, and you could buy the season and just download it and watch it that way. It is a great, great series. Really, really fun to, really good one to watch. Uh, and like I said, it's, it makes you care about the characters, and makes it horrible when some of them die. And kind of like a game of like Game of Thrones, it is notorious for taking away uh, your favorite character. Your favorite characters. I don't think it's as traumatic as Game of Thrones tends to be, but I do I do like it better than Ga- Game of Thrones. Uh, so, and by the way, as you're noticing, a lot of the shows that I have on my list are pretty recent shows. It's not because I only like things that are on that are recent. That I don't know what was on in the eighties and seventies and sixties. It's just my personal sentiment. And probably because I grew up in this era, and so the shows are going to appeal to me because this is the culture I grew up in. So, uh, next up. Alright, that is the show Scrubs. Uh, one of my fi- uh, top three movies, my favorite shows of all time. Uh, the thing I like, the reason I always love Scrubs because it was this wonderful uh, combination of uh, comedy and, and drama. It was such a great show to watch. And... I love the characters. There's definitely flaws and weaknesses in it. I'm actually going to probably do... I think I'm going to probably, somewhere in the near future, uh, do a review of the entire series. Uh, And I will straight up say there are weak points in the show. There are definitely flaws in it. But I still love it. And, you know, I watched... I actually just kind of watched through it not that long ago. And... I still cry at the end of the last season because it was just that well written in the show and it made you just love these characters. And and I love the character development. That is one of the things you look for in these shows. You know, we've been going through all these shows I'm reviewing 
And one of the major things you look for, especially in dramas or dramedies, as Scrubs is, you want to look at character development. And you definitely saw that in Scrubs. You look at who um, JD was in that first episode and who he was at the end of the series. You look at all these characters, the way they develop, it makes it such um, a good show. So, uh, next up... Alright, that show, if you have no clue what it is, um, that means that you have probably been in a cave for the last 27 years. That is the show, The Simpsons. One of, it is the longest running sitcom, um, daytime show ever. Um, and then it, it's episode total, may one day connect up to Gunsmoke the way it's going. Which would make it have mean it would have more episodes than any other show ever. But the thing is, the thing that I love about The Simpsons is not just because it's been long and really doesn't contribute at all to why I like it. It's specifically the episodes. Now, this is this seems kind of unfair because a lot of these other shows that I have on this list have pretty much always been good. Now, the reason they've always been good is because they didn't have nearly as long of season, long of a run. But The Simpsons went from basically from season two to season eight-ish was pretty much the best show on television. Possibly the best six-season stretch of any television show ever because it was so stinking funny over episode after episode after episode. It just had great moments. It was witty, but it was also dumb. It had some slapstick humor. And it was just a great show. It was smart, but stupid at the same time. And and for that reason, I watched this when it was when these episodes were first airing when I was, you know, younger. I was like junior high age. And now I watch it as an adult on um, Simps the Simpsons World app. And the show is still funny. I still catch bits that I never caught before. It is a great show. Uh, sorely under... Forgot, um, sadly, many kids are growing up. They're seeing the new stuff. They do not realize just how good this show was. And it still does, from time to time, have some decent episodes. And The Simpsons movie was actually a pretty solid film. Was it Superly perfect? No, but it was good. So, uh, so that is if you haven't been keeping track, that is my number two movie favorite TV show of all time. So here comes number one. Mm -hmm. 
All right, that show is Angel. Now, understand, I'm going to actually do something similar to what I did with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, I treat it as one. Here, I'm going to treat Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel as one show. And partially so that way I could get an extra TV show into my list, into my top ten. But also because these two shows are so interlinked that I did not feel like I could rank them separately. And, I mean, granted, I mean, they had very different vibes. If I were to compare the two, which one did I like the most? I think at the time of the airing, I preferred Buffy, but I think Angel has... um, Aged a tiny bit better than Buffy has. But I, you know, I love both shows. Uh, so talking character development, this show had incredible character development. Uh, you Especially you look at Willow Rosenberg. Uh, you look at the character of Willow. You look at the character of Wesley. Uh, you look at Xander, even. You look at all these characters. You look at Anya. Of the way that these characters developed through this show was just incredible. Uh, very, very good writing. Um, there were epi- there were some incredibly artistic, good episodes, um, like the episode "Hush," uh, the musical episode, um, the episode the what's titled "The Body," which is where Buffy's mom dies. There are some very, very good emotional episodes. There are times that made you cry. There are thick moments that made you laugh. There are moments that made you excited. It was just a very, very good uh, TV show. It was a dramedy sci-fi, really. Dramedy sci-fi fantasy. That's what I would categorize. And this is what put Joss Whedon on the map. This is what made people love Joss Whedon. Uh, This is why, you know, he got the Avengers nod. This show is awesome. It was a great show. This is not like... A lot of people don't give this a chance. And it's... Thanks. And understand, if you're going to go watch this show, uh, I would actually... I know it's kind of hard because you're jumping in, but I suggest starting on the later seasons and then going back. Start like in the middle of season two or, um, or even just do season five and then go back and watch it through. Um, I know you're jumping in and kind of confused as to what's going on, but do that because you can see how good the show gets and then go back and watch it. Then those things that you saw in season five, you will appreciate it more. But, it, I mean, it is, really is a show that, you know, season one of Buffy really took a while to get itself going. But by the time it got going, it was good. And I really have longed for a show that could really appeal both, get me emotional and laughing and creative at the same time. And none of these shows on my list really do that. I think... <clears throat> Um, all pretty much the rest of these shows that are still on the air. That is, they they might make you cry, they might make you suspenseful, they might make you laugh, but they tend not to do all of those things. And that's what I loved about Buffy. Buffy worked every emotional cord that you had, 
And even more because it was very allegorical. Uh, it had a lot of good themes in it to explore. And so, like I said, it is a great show. And that is my number one TV show of all time, The Buffyverse. So here's the rankings. Number 10, Game of Thrones. Number 9, South Park. Number 8, Freaks and Geeks. Number 7, Firefly. Number 6, The Flash. Number 5, Daredevil. Number 4, The Walking Dead. Number 3, Scrubs. Number 2, Simpsons. And number 1, The Buffyverse. Buffy slash Angel. So that is my rankings. That is about who I am. So you got to hear what kind of movies I like, what kind of TV shows I like, who I am, my background. I know it seemed to be a bit. And so I hope this gives you an idea of who I am, who this guy is that's hosting the Key Row Film Society. My hope with this podcast is to review a lot of these TV shows and movies they talked about and many more uh, to analyze them as I have been doing. Um, I might bring in some guest reviewers and um, pe- guests to analyze some of these movies and give their thoughts and ideas. Uh, I might bring in, and I and I do have a Bible study at my church. So I hope this is a good one for you to let you hear who I am. I know this is long, one hour, 47 minutes at this time. So with that, we're going to conclude. Um So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Again, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I'm pastor of three Lutheran churches in Northwest Iowa. You can find out about our churches at www.iowaoclutherans.org. And so I'm going to leave you this podcast by playing segments, you know, just as I played segments from my favorite TV shows, my favorite movie themes, we are going to conclude this with playing, because this is theological, as it is diving into pop culture, we're going to conclude with some of my favorite hymns. No particular order, but actually they are kind of thematically ordered, but they're not an ordered first best, second best, or anything like that. But here's the conclusion, and I pray it's a blessing to you, and that the Lord bless you in your days. In Jesus' name, amen.
George Elvey. 